We are so talentless. Go to some whitewater rafting resort locale. They always make things more complicated instead of, you know, making them more simple. And try to find a bar that, like, plays the cricket match in India. The gringos that live in town all want to get together and watch the Super Bowl. At four in the morning. That's the equivalent of what Mike is doing. The Patriots somehow are always on the good side of these things, you know? I think binge drinking is extreme. Like, let's pull our pants down and pull our dicks out and comment on it, and then everyone will be watching us. If I was the commander. Actually, would you guys do a Goodell for Trump trade right now? can't have an opinion. You're an expat. You live in Chile. We are so talentless. Welcome to Landline Podcast. I'm your professional voiceover artist that Alex couldn't afford to pay. Instead, he's asked a friend, and I'm that friend, and he's very lucky to have me. It's time for Landline Sports. Three old friends using sports as a way to stay connected. With a dentist, a curmudgeon, and a Korean English teacher. It's Super Bowl week. It's Landline. We got a two-part podcast one on Tuesday, one on Thursday. That way, if you can't see us next Tuesday, you are seeing us next Thursday. Remember, you got to call the landline, 503-894-8480. Leave a message. I know who's listening. You can see the numbers growing. I swear to God, if one of you doesn't call up and leave a message on the landline, I'm going to flip. I might start recording episodes that I never release to the public. How does that sound? All right, here you go. Landline Sports with the original trio. Don't worry. We don't actually talk sports. Landline. Landline. Aldo. Hi, thanks for getting back to me. I have a 12-year-old South Korean child that I was hoping to have English taught to, and someone told me you were the right person to talk to. Yeah, that's right up my alley. Does he already speak English? Because that's my uh, specialty. He, he does not. Uh, then that's going to be a problem. <laughs> Hola, Miguel. Hola, good to hear your voice, buddy. You too. We haven't talked for uh, months. I know. I know. Is Baker coming, or is it just going to be the two of us? No, he's. Oh, he. I, hang, I, I'll hang up now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling him right now. Just, I know you're nervous. Just hold on to yourself until I get him on the phone. I know, like many men. In the news today, you don't like to be in a room alone with me. So, uh, yeah. hold on one second. Hello? Landline? Yeah, is Mike there? He's coming. Here he comes. Okay, you guys, I got you on a phone together. Now you can talk with each other. Michael. Baker. Michael. <laughs> How's it going? Oh Great. I had to talk to Alex alone for like 12 seconds. It was it's, so the it's the worst. It's the worst. I'm so glad you're finally here. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to hear your voice, buddy. Yeah, how long has it been? 
too long. Too long. Too long. Always too long. Well, the three amigos are back together. The original Landline podcast crew was thinking how people might be turned off by the fact that this is the first episode they've heard that's about sports. But in, in fact, this whole thing started around sports. Sports were the driver for getting these two gentlemen on the phone in the beginning. They so graciously agreed to let me record them and blast it on the Internet. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, three 35-year-old white men talking about the Super Bowl, the world needs a little bit more of that, if you ask me. So that's what we're here to do today. In all honesty, we have a lot of cultural representation on the phone. We've got someone who grew up in New Hampshire and decided he liked it so much that he moved literally 6,500 miles away to the tip of Chile to be as far away as he could from his family and his friends, only to communicate with them constantly over his iDevice around basically the Patriots exclusively. And then we've got someone who is the true prodigal son went away to learn his craft and returned to his hometown to teach them what a great guy he was and how how to have a beautiful smile like his own, Dr. Yeah. Dr. Chris. And then we've got the guy who loves his town so much that he moved 3,000 miles away and talks about how he hates where he lives constantly. So <laughs> you, if you're not one of those three people, you're a parent of one of those three people and you're listening to Landline Podcast to get a window into the world that is being a 30-something in today's day and age. Did I sum that up well, you guys? What do you think? Yeah, I think you're off to hey. a good start. Back. Yeah, it's pretty much me in a couple sentences. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't know, are, I don't know about Prodigal Son, but uh, certainly uh, from New Hampshire and moved back to New Hampshire, so you got that part right. Well, this is how we connect, the Patriots. The Patriots are the... Uh, the stew that we all dip our spoon into. So I've had a little um, run of reading something I wrote to start off the podcast, and I found something I wrote that's about the Red Sox, not the Patriots, but I thought it's a good frame to why people like us care so much about sports and kind of give all those eye rollers out there who are watching men watch sports on the couch and wondering what it is that interests them so much, a window into why it's so important for people like us, and then we can blast off into our conversation. So here I go. Dear former best friends, as most of you have seen on your Twitter feeds or your text updates or your Facebook pages or your favorite blogs, this week was the 10-year anniversary of Aaron Boone hitting the infamous game-winning home run off Tim Wakefield, an event that ruined all of our lives and sent the Yankees to yet another World Series. To think I was rooting for Derek Jeter this fall. That night was both the worst thing that happened to any of us as sports fans and the last truly special moment all of us shared as best friends. I watched that game with Samson and Burlington at a party where champagne was popped in the seventh inning. We left when Pedro blew the lead, returning to his house to put on Joe Castiglione and Jerry Truppiano and listen outside on his porch away from people who couldn't understand the crushing weight of the moment the way we did. It is not hyperbole to say that I remember the dark Vermont sky and the smell of the autumn air, so ubiquitous to me then and so foreign today. I took deep labored breaths, hoping with every molecule in my body that they would somehow not lose again. Then the call of the home run, the cheers of the New Jersey Trustafarians in the neighborhood, 
I called Noah, then probably Gabe. I cried. We couldn't believe this kind of stuff happened to us every single year. Life went on, sort of. I went to work at the Howard Dean campaign the next day and refused to smile, talk, or look at anyone. My first professional performance of the Alex you have all seen and loved so many times before. By the next year, Gabe and I were watching Johnny Damon hit the Grand Slam in Yankee Stadium that finally ended the 90s Yankee dynasty once and for all. We sang New York, New York behind the New York dugout a few days later. Sorry, a few hours later. Life was supposedly good. But it wasn't. Only this week did I realize life was good when they lost. When they lost, we crowded around any TV we could, drinking shitty beer and making each other laugh, our own writer's room of observational comedy, cultural commentary, and group therapy all wrapped into one. When they lost, we went to Montreal for the weekend, 12 of us to a hotel room, excited, daring, and a little bit scared. When we lost, we partied in the woods, around a bonfire, listening to the Grateful Dead. We swam together in waterfalls when they lost. We made up weird games. We helped each other fail with girls. We even played baseball with each other when they lost, something none of us knew how to do, making it all the more fun and entertaining. The Red Sox had a future in winning, and we had a future in losing touch, a future in asking people we would never care about where they were from, what their job was, what they wanted to do with their lives, a future with wives, thankfully, but also with schedules, commitments, and responsibility, a future with Facebook and texts, a future where we got so drunk when we saw each other we didn't even have a good time. Man, has that been a theme. Man, has that been a theme. I didn't watch one single Red Sox game this year. Yes, they sucked, so by the logic of this half-watch, long-winded essay, I wouldn't have been at all... I, well, what? I would have been at all of your homes watching every single one. But the reality is, I don't care about them anymore. I live in Oregon. The games are on at four in the afternoon. People at sports bars here pretend to like the Ducks. I hate their guts. More than anything, Red Sox games are no longer the background of my most comfortable hangs, my best friendships, my funniest jokes. They aren't the reason for our biggest ups and downs. They don't have a chance at dashing our collective hopes. I will never again have an excuse to get together with my 20 best friends 80 times a summer. And that's fine. Like us, that act probably got old. What is not fine is a complete absence of all that humor, all that wit, all that love. I'm not okay with the magic of my adolescence somehow being valued below the conciliatory conformity of being an adult. Clearly, it was never about the Red Sox. So, obviously, we're here to talk about the Patriots, and none of us really care about the Red Sox anymore. And the Patriots, in a lot of ways, are the exact opposite. All they've done is won. But I thought that was a nice way to just remember why sports have been so important to us as friends and kind of, you know, go into the podcast with that on our minds because ultimately we love the Patriots team. We love getting amped up for the playoffs. They're going to another Super Bowl. It's insane. And not until people started talking shit before the Jaguars game did I realize how much I care that this Patriots team continue to succeed. And now that Philly fans are on the other side, it seems like too good to be true. So amped for this game. So thanks for potting. Let's make this happen. Yeah, great. But also, like, this is our excuse to talk to each other. You know, we never get together. So It's true. <laughs> if we didn't have the Patriots, we wouldn't even touch base anymore. It's true. So what's going on with your guys' Patriots season? Like, let's talk about that. Baker, you don't have tickets anymore. 
How's it been? This is the first year in eight years that you haven't been going to either one or multiple home games. How have you kept the fire in your belly? Well, uh, yeah, you're right. I haven't. Uh, we didn't get tickets this year. Um, that was a great deal that we had made uh, where we were trading tickets for orthodontic services. And this year, I mean, we, all the treatment is done. So, I mean, we, I'm sure if we wanted the tickets, we could figure out a way to get them. But honestly, like, it's such, from where we live to get down there, it's such an all-day affair. And I got to work Mondays now. I mean, that's you talking about growing up and, you know, and what that's like. But, I mean, the reality is is that I just can't, I can't spend all day on Sunday going down there anymore. And then coming all the way home and trying to make it happen the next day or for the rest of the week that for that matter so you know like it's um it's been different but i've i've really enjoyed kind of just taking my two and a half three hours on a sunday and sitting down in front of my my own television in my own world and with no you know distractions or hubbub and just kind of watching them on tv and you know i did get a chance to go to the, to the buffalo bills game in buffalo which was quite an experience so at least i got one you know live action game in but you know, watching football at home is is great. Sometimes almost better than watching it live. I mean, it's a, it's quite an experience to go down there. I feel really fortunate to have gone so many times in my life. But um, you know, life has changed a little bit this year. So you know, it's it's okay that we're not. Yeah, you made an effort to curb your binge drinking, and that must have something to do with your choice not to go tailgate. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I, that's more recent. I think binge drinking is extreme, but um, I think, yeah, that's definitely been a theme and something I've been thinking about this year a lot. You know, it's you've, you've talked about it in the last couple podcasts, and, you know, I, I think I have a lot to say on that topic. I, it's something that I think a lot of people struggle with, uh, especially kind of people from our, you know, background where you go to college and you you know, part of your life for a long period of time. But, um, you know, I was telling somebody today, you know, alcohol really has kind of like a net negative for me at the end of the day. And, you know, I'm, you know, I think going once a year to a Patriots game and having a great time and enjoying yourself is one thing, but going 12 times a year and trying to do that, all that stuff is maybe not necessarily like the most productive way to live my, my life or personally anymore, but, um, you know, for those who want to do it, you know, some people that's their vacation. That's what they spend their their days working for um, each and every week. You know, so they can let loose on that Sunday and watch the Patriots. But you know, for me, um, I think I just came to a realization that it just you know wasn't as productive for me anymore personally. Now, Mike, you're bottling 200 bottles of beer after this podcast, so maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, I'm at the complete opposite side of the spectrum. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have, uh, I've been doing a lot more beer, getting into more beer, so alcohol has become even a bigger part of my life now. Than it was. A net positive. <laughs> a net positive. Well, well, no, I, don't, I wouldn't go that far. But, um, <clears throat> no, uh, I mean, we've talked about watching the games down here, and the thing that uh, is kind of the most difficult for me is that it's the middle of summer. And the games come on at like three in the afternoon and it's like beautiful out and yeah. you just don't want to be inside uh, watching the games. And it's kind of, uh, I feel bad, like keeping my, my wife and my son, like kind of like they, they can't go out and do anything. Um, 
uh, during that time. Um, so I've been watching a lot of the games on replay, which is amazing. You just go out, um, do whatever you want to do during the day, and then come back, and it skips all the commercials in the game, so it takes about two hours to watch the game, and it makes it so much more enjoyable. So, um, Can't you just bring, bring your it. television outside, Mike? No, 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 no. That's, that's not going to happen. We don't have that kind of technology yet down here. <laughs> it makes you wonder if all of us, I mean, we now have all these shows on Netflix and Amazon and, and wherever where it's all on demand. And, of course, it's it's sort of a clashing of technologies with the replay because you have managed to put yourself in an environment where – well, how do you do it? I mean, I don't know how you do it, but you clearly aren't on Twitter before you watch the replay and you don't have to go to like the general store to get or the convenience store to get a six pack of beer and then have like some guy buying scratch tickets remark to the clerk how the Patriots game was crazy. You're, like you're insulated from information and therefore you can do the replay. I'm sure there's tons of people who just thought to themselves, I did at least, I wish I could watch all games on replay. If you tell me I can watch a Patriots game start to finish with no commercials and have it be uh, as you know a quality of an experience of the game itself, I'm in. And that's something we've said a million times on the podcast previously. The commercials, the replays, the like going to New York to figure out the call, all that stuff has done such bad things for the NFL as a whole. So, um, anyways, what do you think, Mike? I mean, how do you how do you do that? Because you never see anyone who knows the Patriots score between when it airs and when you watch it, basically. Right, exactly. I just kind of turn off my cell phone and go completely dark, um, and I come back and I fumble around and and try to get to the website without um, without seeing the score. But yeah, I'm never gonna run into somebody who's going to say, oh, the Pats won or did something, which is awesome. But also, like, this is the only chance they have to actually talk to people about the Patriots. So there is a negative. Like, you know, I, I, I don't get to, to talk about it with anybody else, you know, and I'll, I'll try to explain it to my wife, and she hates football, and she just rolls her eyes every time I do it. And I'm like, you don't understand how amazing this is, what they're doing. And, and it's uh, so that – that part is a little frustrating, but it is nice. It's kind of my own little thing that it's just for me. Um, but what is kind of pissing me off now is that every year um, the gringos that live in town all want to get together and watch the Super Bowl. And, of course, oh, here because, we go. The Patriots, yeah, because the Patriots are in and they know that I have the package and everything, they all want to come over to my house. And there's you know a mix of people who know a little bit about football to, but it's mostly people who have no idea what's going on, and it's just like horrible, basic questions that they're asking, like why are they doing this or why are they doing this, and it just kills me and takes away from the experience. Or start talking about Justin Timberlake like a quarter and a half before he comes on, or say that they love some commercial and you just want to like bash the TV and go out. And exactly. Do, yeah. Exactly. Years ago, a couple, couple of years ago, when uh, we, Seattle, when they played Seattle in the Super Bowl, I had a similar experience because, you know, of course, when the Pats made it, they wanted to have a Super Bowl party, and so I had like all these residents, you know, really from all over the place, like one from Greece, one from Thailand, one from, you know, and they all wanted to like watch the game, and they had no idea what was happening. Margot and I, I left at halftime. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I just can't do this. I can't sit here. They were down, you know. I was like super. I'm like, if they're gonna lose this game, like the last people I want to be around are these people. So we went home, and Margot and I watched that, you know, that amazing comeback second half against Seattle together. I mean, it was perfect. You know, had we stayed, who knows? You know, I, I don't think that it changed the outcome of the game, but it certainly added to our like happiness level. You know, not being around that stress. You know. Well, we'll get into the Super Bowl parties a little bit later because this is my first year with a child, and I'm wondering which road to take myself. And, Mike, you can share in this. Baker, you're still on the other side of this issue. But, um, you know, I want some people to come over, and it, there's some pressures that get taken away if you make it a kid-friendly party because then you're not, like, the evil asshole who needs, like, the entire Sunday to himself so he can get drunk and watch football, something that nobody else cares about. But uh, at the same time, the kids can completely ru ruin the environment. So there's definitely something to figure out there. So, Mike, why not just watch the Super Bowl on tape delay? I, it's not going to happen. I need to see it live. Yeah, it's a it's, cultural cultural event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big games, I need to see them live. You know, I can't. I can't, well, I mean, every game's pretty big, but I can't be somewhere and have a good time knowing that the Patriots right now are about to kick off. You know, I can't do that. Well, everyone's talking about how amazing Tom Brady is because he can play into his 40s and pliability and diet and Tom versus time, and we all know the story. I think Mike should be getting accolades for living the furthest from Foxborough. And still managing to get blitz, chain smoke cigarettes, yell fuck at the TV, and be so into the Patriots. I mean, if there was someone we needed to, like, colonize Mars and make sure that NFL was the favorite sport, Mike would be the guy we would send. You know, like, he, he really succeeds against all odds to stay. You're probably more informed than 95% of the mass holes in the Boston area about this team. So that's saying a lot, given that you're so far that it's literally a different season. Yeah, and I've, I've, come, I've come really far in my time down here because I've been down here almost 10 years. Um, oh, man. And I, yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> when I first came down, I, you know, I lived with a host family, um, and then after that I had a little apartment with no TV and whatever, and I didn't even have a computer. So I would have to, like, go to these Internet cafes where there was nobody um, on a Sunday. Like, you know, most of them weren't open. There's In my entire city, there was like one or two that would be open on a Sunday. Um, and it was like the shady part of town and really, really bad. And I'd be like with my uh, Pats jersey and I'd uh, sneak in like uh, whiskey and Coke and I'd sit down and I didn't have enough money to pay for the um, NFL package to watch the game. So I would just listen to the game and drink, drink whiskey and cokes. And so, thinking about now that I can be able to watch it on a TV on my couch, um, uh, it's it's just amazing. <laughs> I really appreciate uh, what I've come from. So I think there should we should put a challenge out to the landline listeners. Remember, listeners, you can always call landline, leave a message five zero three eight nine four eighty four eighty. That's five zero three eight nine four eighty four eighty. Keep telling your friends. Keep subscribing. Numbers are climbing steadily. We love it. We're going to beat Rick Steves. Um, I was thinking somebody should do an experiment. Like they should go into a bar in a major – well, first of all, they'd have to go to the middle of nowhere. Go to some whitewater rafting resort locale, not even resort, 
in the United States and try to find a bar that like plays the cricket match in India at four in the morning. That's the equivalent of what Mike is doing. Uh, it would be a funny experiment. Maybe that's something I should do and record it for landline or, you know, watch like the women's GS ski race from Slovenia at the end of February. Like it's not exactly an, an easy accomplishment, but I guess that's the power of the NFL which is a nice bridge to uh, something we were going to talk about today, which is just the NFL in general and the state of the NFL. And, Chris, I know you have a ton of opinions on this. Um, but my little chart I wrote just as kind of a, a uh, you know review of this season. First of all, last year ended with that incredible Super Bowl on the heels of deflate gate. Brady gets a suspension. He comes back throws darts baker and i go to the super bowl with gabe incredible time we were in the atlanta section 20 rows up on the 40 yard line we saw the comeback i was wearing a rally cap baker was so depressed during the lady gaga um concert at halftime he went and got a coffee that's how bad it got Uh, um an atlanta fan at the urinals during halftime told me literally told me to go kill myself and then we got to watch these people in front of us leave with around no right after the touchdown because it ended on the overtime touchdown with just tears streaming down the face and the, a look of horror that they realized that the Falcons would never get back to the Super Bowl that Arthur Blank would literally move the team to St. Louis before the Falcons ever got back to the Super what Bowl. What a doofus he is. Um so, love the mustache though. So you come out of that season, and that was really the story of all last year. Brady's suspension, uphold, not uphold. He takes the games, Garoppolo, then Brissett, blah, blah, blah. And and then we come into this year, and finally sort of the Tom Brady story is over, and I think the NFL is really looking forward to moving on. And I, I don't know. I mean, all I can remember from the beginning of September when the NFL still con, con, you know controlled the message was a lot of, like, we're working hard to make concussions a thing of the past and they had helmets with technology. And I remember there was actually a storyline involving Dartmouth, which is in all of our hometowns around how the like brain neuroscience at the hospital was teaming up with buddy Tevens, a college coach to figure out the best technology. And, you know, they were talking about how there's going to be new protocols and all of this with independent neurologists. And then the Kaepernick thing happens and basically the entire NFL narrative for all of the beginning and mid season goes Kaepernick to kneeling to Trump to ESPN kind of siding with social uh, welfare, social uprise, whatever it's called, agenda, social justice that goes into sort of, you know, all the media taking sides like they have with everyone else. And then that feeds into the ratings, all the sort of right leaning entities saying that the ratings are tanking and it's because of disrespecting the police and the military. Um, and then all the left leaning people saying this is for social justice and they have a right. And this is like Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King. And ultimately what you ended up having was basically a bunch of mediocre teams in the playoffs a completely overrated Pittsburgh team that everybody wishes was better so that they could beat the Patriots, a bunch of good young start upstart quarterbacks in um, at, with the Eagles and the Rams Goff and uh, what's Wentz. His, Carson Wentz. Wentz. But then we're back at a place where it's the Patriots again. And, 
you can't get rid of Tom Brady, and it's still Tom Brady's revenge tour, and it's still Tom Brady lives on. It's still Belichick. And we'll get into sort of the, the Patriots themselves, but Baker, I know you have a lot to say on, on sort of the themes that have come out, and I know that's a lot for you to comment on, but like what – how do you feel the NFL stands now? Like, if you take the Patriots out of the equation, would you be an NFL fan? And, you know, where does the NFL go from here with all of this stuff? Um, well, I mean, the short answer is probably not as much. I mean, I don't watch – I think I listen to some of our old podcasts just to kind of get jazzed up for this one. But, you know, even in last season, last season we were kind of talking about – Where's the NFL going? What's the future? What's its role going to be like in our lives moving forward? And, you know, for me, it was even before kind of all the stuff happened this year, which, you know, the NFL, like football aside, really had no control over, you know, how the media spun all of these various events that you're talking about. Because there are forces that work, you know, that really hate the NFL, and they want that culture and that, that sporting culture, they want the NFL to go, they wish it would just go away. But, um, you know, even before this all was all happening, I was telling you guys that, like, I'm not really as into the NFL as much anymore. Like, I really carve out time for the Patriots because I just think we're watching, so it's like a once-in-a-lifetime, you know, once-in-a-sporting fandom lifetime event happening in front of us. I personally would not like like to see it never end, at least in the next few years. Um, and it's amazing that they keep doing it. But, um, I mean, I don't know if that's kind of the short answer. I don't know what else you want me to say there. But. Well, Mike, you were talking about how you can't, like, even explain the Patriots, which you love, to your wife or anyone you know in your town. What about all of the social stuff? Did you just ignore that? Like, living in Chile and seeing the, you know, sort of clash of Trump, Kaepernick, Fox News, ESPN – Twitter what did you just ignore it like what is someone who has the ability to just start and stop their favorite NFL team with a button on their computer think about all that crap um it was interesting but it's kind of like I was watching it from afar you know so it was it wasn't I wasn't inundated every day with it um which is just great you know I can just the good thing is that I can just kind of turn off everything and you know, go hiking or go camping whenever I want. Um, so that's great. Um, but it, it was just, it's so ridiculous. And I just think that when you're living in it, when you're in the U S you're, it's just coming at you at all these different ways and you can't kind of see it from an outside perspective, you know? So for me, it was just like, yeah, this is happening. It's not the biggest deal in the world. This is all going to blow over eventually. Um, but uh, it's it's it was it was just I don't know. It was good to be able to to kind of control the way that I took it. You know, does that make sense? Well, what's the outside perspective like? Did you care about the kneeling? Do you have an opinion on the kneeling? No, um, not really. I. I I just didn't think it was as big a deal as it, sh- it they made it out to be. You know, that's the thing that I don't like about it is that it's kind of like it's this whole thing of what's popular in the moment. And the thing is that to me, it was kind of a big deal or, you know, kind of a small thing that started it that just snowballed and snowballed because of this social media um, 
uh, you know, whatever happens there. And it just gets out of control. And then people are kind of dictating to you what is important. So, you know, this is what's happening. So you have to have an opinion on it. When, uh, you know, there's another perspective where this isn't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. You know, there's much worse things going on. There's much bigger things. Um, and what kind of gets lost in all that, as you were kind of mentioning, was that the quality of play was down so much this year, I thought. Uh, there weren't that many great games. And, I mean, the, the, as you were saying, the playoffs, those teams weren't that great. I don't even think this is one of the top five Patriots teams in terms of talent that's, that I've seen, you know. So it's, uh, it's just a, bit, a lot of smoke and fire and kind of taking away from the actual sport that I like to watch, you know. I feel like, you know, social media is the, the obvious magnifier. You are, you know, for everyone in this country, they have kind of an opinion or they have – you know, their belief system or whatever. And Mike's right. You're kind of like reading this stuff on social media and it kind of like is dictating like, well, you, you got to make a stand one way or the other. And just as a, a magnifier of what's happening on our country on a grander scheme, like a grander scale, it's basically like we're so divided now. There's like, you yeah. have to be one way or the other. You, if, and if you're even in the middle of those, like an opinion, then you get labeled a certain way. Right. But you know, and that's the problem that that, 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 I, that I found with this whole thing. That really turned me off. It's like, you know, you, you like ESPN became unwatchable to me because their opinions. Like, I don't want to watch ESPN and listen to somebody on, like opine about what they think on a social topic. Like, that's not why I watch ESPN. I want to watch sports. You know, like I, I don't understand why ESPN is even moved in this direction you know, where they have all these opinion shows, like, it's just, it's not watchable. Like, you sit there, and it's just, like, ugh, my mind, like, glazes over, just like it does when I turn on the news. So. The news is yeah. the worst. And, and it actually, it goes to, like, what Mike was saying, actually, to me, which is that everyone is always constantly obsessed in the media industry of making sure they're commenting on what's happening right now to a higher degree than everybody else. So the only way to catch ratings is to say, Here's an incident. Now we need to, like, let's pull our pants down and pull our dicks out and comment on it, and then everyone will be watching us. Um, and that way, every single incident gets magnified to a degree where it seems like it's the biggest thing that's ever happened. Because uh, that's the only way to compete in this really busy landscape of media outlets. And clearly somebody at ESPN said the way that we need to do this. Well, SportsCenter died because of social media, because of Twitter, because you – but they also kill themselves a little bit. Why did you put a bottom line in? Why did you tell us the scores of games immediately while you were showing the highlights? Why would I watch a 10-minute highlight that's coming up in 25 minutes if you already showed me all the stats and the score on the bottom line? And that's a pretty dated take because that's been gone for 10 years. But there was a time where watching SportsCenter was fun. And it was theater. It was like a, it was like a series of movie previews or clips or short films on everything that happened in sports that day, and you didn't know what the score was. And it speaks exactly to like what Mike has done is in insulating himself with all this information. So everyone, just pull up your roots and move to Southern Chile. I hope you know how to teach English <laughs> online. Landline. Hey guys, time for that 
weekly halftime break. Remember, we check in with a guest from last week, see how they're doing, drive traffic to the last show. You can always find all the previous landlines wherever you listen to the show. Subscribe through your technology platform, and that way the show will pop up. And you got to tell a friend. Most importantly, you got to call the effing landline, 503-894-8480. If it's just my wife calling from the car as she goes to work, then we're going to have a problem. All right, here we go. Here's Max. Hello? Max? Yeah? Are you okay? You sound injured. Oh, this is Alex. Yeah. I didn't recognize the uh, landline. I've been sick. I was cold. Is this live? Are we live right now? We're live to a recording. Yeah. Basically live. A new live. <laughs> we're post we're um, post live. I've just been extremely stuffed up um the last week, sneezing constantly. Um it's been pretty rough. You know, a lot of people have died because of the flu. Do you feel like that could be a problematic turn of events for you? No. Those are weak bodies. They deserve to die. Hang Fe- on. I got I to gotta blow my nose. Hang on. Oh. Oh. All right, go ahead. A lot of uh, positive feedback on your performance. Yeah, I listened to it. Um, I just think that, like, I sound really amped up because, like, I'm always jacked up when we do the podcast, but then I listen to it and I don't really sound particularly amped up. So I think I'm just going to not even try and get amped up now. It's like, what's the point? How did you work off that caffeine high after our last recording? Um, I don't really remember. I think I just went to the library. That wasn't really like that much caffeine for me. I drink like, like three to four cups of coffee every morning anyway. So kind of no biggie. Now, are you going to watch the Super Bowl or are you sort of boycotting professional sports? Where are you with sports these days? Uh, I'm certainly not boycotting it. Um, I'll probably watch it. I mean, my roommates watch ESPN like constantly, so sort of by default, I watch a lot of sports. Um, so yeah, I'll watch it. Probably yeah. not going to get too worked up about it. I mean, it's like who cares? The Pats have won so many at this point. What's one more, really? How do you feel about Tom Brady's diet and exercise regime and the TB12 method? poked through his book a little bit at Barnes and Noble and it seemed like super basic. Um, as far as his diet goes, I don't, I didn't really look at it much. I mean, probably just eats healthy and stretches a lot and, uh, is now marketing it. Drinks a lot of water to sell to like, yeah, sell to like millions of people. So it goes, there's a, that's a very common trend in fitness is that people sort of gravitate towards people who look like they're in really good shape opposed to like uh, actually researching stuff on their own. 
mean, most people aren't going to sit down and do like several hours of physiological research on their own. So I totally understand that. But I would guess that there's nothing in the TB12 book that you can't find in like a five-minute Google search. Landline. Thank you, Max, for that riveting commentary. We can always count on you, brother. So remember, folks, part two of Landline Podcast is coming out Thursday, getting everyone amped for the big game. We will continue to help you prepare your food, prepare your bets, prepare your social environment. doesn't matter if you're a diehard fan or a alien from the moon dropping in to check out what the story is. We'll tell you how to get through it. Let's get back to the second half of this episode. Remember, call the landline, 503-894-8480. Tell your friends. Thanks for listening. We appreciate the support. I don't say thank you enough. We appreciate the support. All right, talk soon. Second half, here you go. I don't know. It, it, it's crazy. I agree. I don't know why ESPN does that. ESPN, to me, jumped a shark when they started doing the Coors Light cold zone and having all of these like short haircuts and goatees give us all this sponsored content on the inside information. To, to feel that anybody has such a great opinion on anything is a little bit of a stretch for me. The only people who should be having the legitimate argument about whether a social justice protest is appropriately executed are historians and philosophers and people who have a frame of reference what act to what actually happened in the past versus people who are just parroting whatever anyone else said in their line of media distribution. So it's like, I'll read this paper, I'll read this blog, and then I'll go on TV and say some salsa of chopped up bits from whatever I read in, in my media distribution earlier. I guess that's my take. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, it's funny. It's, it's funny too, because, um, so it's what I watch the NFL on is on NFL.com. And so after, uh, after the last game, I was so pumped up. I, you know, came back and I, I just wanted to watch more highlights and get into it, you know, and uh, see more and more about the game, even though it was over. Um, and it was just uh, Deion Sanders and LT, and they have, like, this late-night talk show on the NFL Network that is so awful. And to think that, like, during the season, they probably devoted so much time talking about the kneeling and everything, and that there are people out there being like, I need to know what, Deion Sanders and Ladanian Tomlinson think about this oh, topic. It's ridiculous. <laughs> At least Dion can like form a sentence. You know, like he's kind of entertaining. Yeah. Like you listen to like Ray Lewis. Like I cannot form a paragraph. You know, uh, uh, I know. It, it's just, as uh, as an it's English pathetic. teacher, it's insulting. <laughs> and let's pump the brakes, as they say in the business. Uh, be careful what you're saying on all of this social justice stuff in the event that your entire staff gets outed for <laughs> sexually assaulting the makeup artist for the last 18 months Period. as the NFL and network did like oh my god and let's just let's just announce it now if you go into the media industry and I, I guess I'm you know maybe this is a little tiny bit of that myself I have a big enough ego to do this so I guess I'm um, hopefully not forecasting my own downfall but if you have it in you to become a Matt Lauer or a Charlie Rose 
or a Bill O'Reilly or whoever, you are going to be a fucking dirtbag. That's who can sit in front of a camera and read a teleprompter with makeup all over their face and act like they know everything. Fucking dirtbags. There aren't good people who are working at soup kitchens who are getting $150 million deals with NBC. It just doesn't work that way. So, um, and it's funny now they're replacing them all with women, and I get that. And and there's a lot of you know touchy issues around that. There should be more women in media. How long until we get some stories about women? Like, what is what are women in power going to start doing to abuse it? I guess Hillary Clinton is the best example, as she like swept all these sexual assault allegations under the rug. Came out yesterday, but it's just interesting that it's like, oh, we're we're going to fix this. Once we fire Bill O'Reilly and Matt Lauer, none of the men who come up through Ivy League schools, work as the weatherman in Topeka, make it to a large regional station in New York or L.A., and then become the lead anchor on CBS News, those guys aren't going to sexually assault women. Those guys don't have the Constitution for it. If you want an ego-megalomaniac on your television acting like they know everything, they're not going to be someone that is great at a barbecue. So... It's the power. It's the people. They get the power. I mean, it's like any. I think it's the natural. I think there are people that are inherently good and people that are inherently bad. People that change when they have. They're in that position, and you know, they're liars. It's what it is. All right. Well, so where should we go from here? You want to go right to the Patriots, or do we want to comment any more on? I guess just the level of play, Mike, was a good thing that you started honing in on there. Um, we've said this before on previous episodes of Landline Sports, which Baker, I can't believe you listened to. I've listened to a few, and I, I my, my sort of the, the hair on the back of my neck stands up because of how bad they are. But you should go back and listen, listeners. They're great. Um, do you don't, don't go back and listen? There. Don't go back and listen. Just listen from here on forward. <laughs> Yeah, we're so talentless. Uh, We're still talentless, but now we say like less, hopefully. Um, We have talked about this previously. There was a moment in the NFL 10, 15 years ago where Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and and the quarterbacks that were in charge, whether they did it directly or not, I don't really know the story, but somehow the rules got changed to allow for high powered offenses because in the same way that the ESPN media consultants said the only way to get ratings is to have people argue over social justice issues, the NFL media consultants said people like to watch touchdowns. And so you saw these 45-38 games. You saw Peyton Manning break every scoring record. You saw the Patriots start to have these really high-powered offenses, which is not how the Patriots used to be in those first few Super Bowls. It was good running game, great offensive line great defense and then you had a quarterback who was clutch in the fourth quarter but Tom Brady then is not who Tom Brady is now uh, with long balls and being able to get third and 18 like it's no big deal so um, it became offense league and then out of that you had that the cornerbacks on defense weren't allowed to manhandle people as much and for people who don't care about sports this is when you can listen and not act like a complete gaper when you get to Baker's Super Bowl party if you're a Indian exchange student at a dental school in upstate New York. This is the part you should really zoom in on. So cornerbacks started getting more physical or stopped getting so physical. They too much pass interference. They started making all these rule changes around catches and fumbles to make sure that as much as possible, things would continue in an offensive way. And what we have now is this game that is so start and stop 
so much replay, so much pass interference. Like, can we continue to have the pass interference conversation? How do you guys feel about pass interference right now? Feel great when it's called on the on the opposing defense. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Mike? Like, do you, Mike? Do you like watching this style of football? If you could choose, you've been a big football fan for thirty years at this point. Do you like this ticky tack? No holding, no. no physicality, no big hits, and then like throw it to a 15-minute replay on every single play? Yeah, the, the whole thing, the, oh, the replay is so awful. The, just the amount of flags is, is so awful. And that's, uh, it's kind of a, another thing about when you watch it with somebody who doesn't understand, and they're like, well, what happened there? And you're like, I don't know, I don't know. And then... On top of that, you know, there's the whole, is it a catch? Isn't it a catch? It's so, it's so, it's so crazy that you mentioned about those teams from um, before, like the early 2000s. It was, it seems like an almost completely different game that they used to play, and it was so much more entertaining. I was actually watching uh, a little bit of the Eagles uh, Super Bowl and that that run up to it, just the highlights of some of those games. It was so much more physical. It was just so much better to watch. So with the concussion concerns and people having this national dialogue, and I wish we had, I wish one of us was actually a professional media analyzer because there must be a connection between the amount of content on our phones, on our computers, on our televisions, on our radios, the need for 24 hour programming, the, all of these personalities commenting, like we've mentioned in this in this uh, podcast already, there must be a connection between that and all of the, we should change this, we should fix this, this should be changed, that should be changed. Let's make the kickoffs go to the 25-yard line if it's a touchback. Let's make sure that not only is it head-to-head, but a, you know that head-to-chest or head-to-knee is illegal. Let's make sure that X, Y, and Z happen because there's this kind of common conversation happening driven by these talking heads that it needs to be safer. It needs to be, you know, more offense. And of course I, there's a part of me that doesn't want anyone permanently injured, but at the same time, if we, if we sanitize all of this stuff, where are we left with the blood sport that is somehow intuitive to people, to humans in general, whether you go back to gladiators or boxing or, you know, whatever kind of crazy rugby war games, are we so evolved that we can't have that? Are people so necessary? Do we need to protect everyone's brain? Is it okay to trade $10 million for the opportunity to get four or five concussions? Why don't? Why aren't we having more of that conversation? And, and I'm not necessarily sure where I fall on that stuff, but I do know that it seems to be everyone is just patting themselves on the back for making everything safer and football is different. And the reality is you're just basically going to like water football down until it's a game that nobody really likes to watch. And it's all driven by these supposed experts who are telling you how to make everything different. The common person at home does not want all these penalties. They don't want all these replays. If it looks like the guy caught the ball and went to the ground over the end zone line, it should be a touchdown. Don't even show me a replay. How about that? Don't even show me a replay. If it's something that the two guys should just stand there and argue with a ref till the ref has to make a decision, like make it like the sandlot it would be more fun. It's not as if all this technology is actually bringing us more expertise or more clear answers. Even the most 
um, examined replays still leave some level of I don't really know what happened. I mean, I don't know. Would you feel that way if, if I, I kept basing on the guy's name that scored that Jesse James had scored that touchdown like against the Patriots? If he had if he had scored though and came across his line and had they called that a touchdown and it was like a different outcome to me. I mean, if the problem, the thing is, is replays. You got to get it right. You got to get the call right. I thought that should have been a touchdown. Yeah, it wasn't a catch. I mean, that's according to the rule book. It wasn't a catch. He he gets the ball in his hands and he's moving towards the end zone and he goes to the ground and he has nobody touched him. If he had, somebody had touched him and he had crossed the goal line, then it would have been a touchdown. But that was all part supposedly part of the one movement. I got to control it through to the ground, right? So, Chris, and then, this is the debate they've had over this exact same rule for like the last five years. Well, and all, Chris, all things considered, if you were like the commander and got to make the decision, would you? How would you decide? Would you have him have that be a catch or not? If I was the commander, yeah. Imagine, <laughs> imagine you're the commander. First of all, get in that mode. And then if you got to be the decider, as, as George W. Bush said, and uh, decide whether or not that rule is a catch or not, what do you say that that is? Not for that Pittsburgh play, but in general, moving forward for next year, should that be a catch? It's not a catch. Oh, man, I couldn't disagree right. more. Well, I'm sorry, but you have to con- control the ball, buddy, all the way to the ground, exactly like it's written in the, in the rule book. Like, that's, like I'm not... The reality is I'm not the commander. I didn't write the rule. People who know football a lot better than I do are the ones that wrote it. And they should, you know, if if these football people, these football minds don't want that to be a problem, then they shouldn't have that rule. Like, I'm sorry. But that's that's the way that it's spelled out in a book that we don't control. And, you know, like I I'm sorry, it looks like a it looks like a cool touchdown catch, but it wasn't. I'm sorry. We win. Patriots win. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, what well, do you think? The thing about it is that, well, I mean, the funny thing about it is that you mentioned that, I mean, the Patriots somehow are always on the good side of these things, you know? Whenever until they're, they're like, not. Until they're not. Okay. Right. I can't even remember when they got, oh, well, yeah, maybe like a Jets game a couple years ago or something like that. But, I mean, it seems like they're always the beneficiaries of those kind of things. Um, but that's, it kind of, I mean, we'll talk about these these last couple games, I guess. Um, but there has been, in both games, there the momentum was with the other team. And it wasn't necessarily good play by the Patriots that got them back into it. It was a good play with a little bit of luck, with a little, um, you know, horrible decision-making on the, on the part of the other team. Um, and it's just, it's kind of funny to watch. That whole like you can you can almost feel that train taking off and the the other team starts making mistakes and everything starts going the Patriots way and it's just it's great to watch. They always make things more complicated instead of you know making them more simple, um, which is oh I, I think it's a problem. The rule book has probably grown three times the size that it was fifteen years ago. You know. Like tax code, but it, maybe they should take. Maybe they should take like for every rule they put in, they should take two away. Like maybe they should do that. Nice. Yeah. 
Well, I actually think most of America would vote for Trump to become the commissioner if it meant that he couldn't be the president anymore. Actually, would you guys do a Goodell for Trump trade right now? If you were Baker, if you were the commander, would you would you make a Trump for Goodell trade? Like Goodell would be president? Yes. Absolutely not. Wow. That's New England hatred right there. That is Patriots fans hatred. <laughs> I love it. That, if you want to know where Patriots fans come from, that's it. That's that's the David that's the Dave Portnoy in all of us. He's the buffoon, that guy. Um, Mike, what about you? Would you trade Goodell for Trump? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to. You can't do have that. an opinion. You're an expat. You live in Chile. He's not yeah, your president. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's not my president, so um, I don't really care. No, I, I don't. Hashtag I don't, not, I, not I, Mike's president. I don't like that hypothetical situation. I don't want any part of it. I think that could drive some traffic to the pod if I did an hour on that. I thought that should have been a touchdown. Yeah, it wasn't a catch. I mean, that's according to the rule book. It wasn't a catch. He he gets the ball in his hands and he's moving towards the end zone and he goes to the ground and he has nobody touched him. If he had somebody had touched him and he had crossed the goal line, then it would have been a touchdown. But that was all part supposedly part of the one movement. I got to control it through to the ground, right? So, Chris, and then, this is the debate they've had over this exact same rule for like the last five years. Well, and all, Chris, all things considered, if you were like the commander and got to make the decision, would you, how would you decide? Would you have him have that be a catch or not? If I was the commander? Yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine you're the commander, first of all. Get in that mode. And then if you got to be the decider, as, as George W. Bush said, and uh, decide whether or not that rule is a catch or not, what do you say that that is? Not for that Pittsburgh play, but in general, moving forward for next year, should that be a catch? It's not a catch. Oh, man, I couldn't disagree right. more. Well, I'm sorry, but you have to con- control the ball, buddy, all the way to the ground, exactly like it's written in the, in the rule book. Like, that's, like I'm not, the reality is I'm not the commander. I didn't write the rule. People who know football a lot better than I do are the ones that wrote it. And they should, you know, if, if these football people, these football minds, don't want that to be a problem, then they shouldn't have that rule. Like, I'm sorry. But that's, that's the way that it's spelled out in a book that we don't control. And, you know, like, I, I'm sorry. It looks like a, it looks like a cool touchdown catch, but it wasn't. I'm sorry. We win. Patriots win. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, what well, do you think? The thing about it is that, well, I mean, the funny thing about it is that you mentioned that, I mean, the Patriots somehow are always on the good side of these things, you know? Whenever until they're like not. A, until they're not. Okay. Right. I can't even remember when they got, oh, well, yeah, maybe like a Jets game a couple years ago or something like that. But, I mean, it seems like they're always the beneficiaries of those kind of things. Um, but that's, it kind of, I mean, we'll talk about these these last couple games, I guess. Um, but there has been, in both games, there the momentum was with the other team. And it wasn't necessarily good play by the Patriots that got them back into it. It was a good play with a little bit of luck, with a little, um, you know, horrible decision-making on the, on the part of the other team. Um, and it's just, it's kind of funny to watch. That whole like you can you can almost feel that train taking off and the the other team starts making mistakes and everything starts going the Patriots way and it's just it's great to watch. 
they always make things more complicated instead of, you know, making them more simple, um, which is, oh, I, I think it's a problem. The rule book has probably grown three times the size that it was 15 years ago, you know? Like tax code, but it, maybe they should take. Maybe they should take like for every rule they put in, they should take two away. Like maybe should do that. Nice. Yeah. Well, I actually think most of America would vote for Trump to become the commissioner if it meant that he couldn't be the president anymore. Actually, would you guys do a Goodell for Trump trade right now? If you were Baker, if you were the commander, would you would you make a Trump for Goodell trade? Like Goodell would be president. Yes. Absolutely not. Wow. That's New England hatred right there. That is Patriots fans hatred. <laughs> I love it. That, if you want to know where Patriots fans come from, that's it. That's that's the David that's the Dave Portnoy in all of us. He's a buffoon, that guy. Um Mike, what about you? Would you trade Goodell for Trump? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to You can't do have that. an opinion, you're an expat. You live in Chile. He's not yeah, your president. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's not my president, so um, I don't really care. No, I, I don't. Hashtag I don't, not, I, not I, Mike's president. I don't like that hypothetical situation. I don't want any part of it. I think that could drive some traffic to the pod if I did an <laughs> hour on that. Landline is hosted, written, and produced by Alex McKay. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. Taking this show to the top, baby. You're listening to Landline. I had to talk to Alex alone for like 12 seconds. It was it's so the worst. It's, it's the worst. Ishii, we love you.